0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Front Page Dub. My name is Cody Ojeda. I am one of the contributors at Front Page Football. Joining me today is Matt Olsen. Matt, how are you doing today? Yeah, good. You know what they say about Front Page Dub? It's ironically more mini than the FPF mini. (laughs) Maybe not the so, first episode, we went well over what our intention was. Oh no, was no, no we one. absolutely
1: did, just because we were starting a new podcast, like it, we're we're looking at sort of 20 to 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes means 20 to 30 minutes, someone might want to add Christian Marchetti on that <laughs> one, because I reckon we can do those Friday nights a little bit shorter.
0: Matt Olsen calling out his boss live, <laughs> well not live, because this will be rec- um, posted probably not for a couple of days after we're recording, we're recording... 10th of January, I was about to say November, we are in 2023. Oh, how life goes fast when you're having fun. Yes. But anyway, we have plenty of uh, news to talk about in the A-League women's space, particularly mid-season transfers, and that's going to be probably the main focus of this podcast today. That'll be what takes up the majority of the time. The biggest one, at least in my opinion, that's just come through, Serena Bolden to WSW. Western Sydney Wanderers, I don't know why I use the abbreviation there, uh, made her debut. <laughs> I've, I've
1: said CCM out loud before for the Mariners, so I think you could get away with it.
0: I don't yeah, know why, I just, just, just... feels so weird saying that, WSW, I don't yeah, know it what doesn't I'm doing sound,
1: no, it doesn't sound palatable at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really sounds stupid, but anyway. Uh, Serena Bolden to Western Sydney Wanderers just made her debut actually against Melbourne City. Um, some people are saying it's quite an impressive debut. What I what I can say personally, at least I got to see it live in front of me. Very very interesting. Um, very physical player, especially considering for someone who's only got a small stature. Mm. Um, quick, aggressive, physical, very passionate as well. She spent most of the game screaming, whether it was at her players at herself, never at the opposition. Or she did um talk a little bit to them, which was quite funny to see, at least from my point of view. But um. The only thing that was probably missing was that finishing touch. She had a few uh, sights on goal that kind of went a little bit wayward, but I do get the feeling with her that if she gets one a bucket full, will follow. And Matt, did you get a chance to watch her on Sunday? Absolutely, yes, I
1: did. Um, what a game that was for a start. Um, really, yeah. Look, was not expecting
0: across... that result actually, but anyway, no
1: yeah. upset of the season across both leagues, and I think Serena has really actually played a major, major role in that. Um, so, you know, you want to talk about sort of impact players, um, you know, you, you're more or less looking at it. One thing that, that really struck me was, um, the AFC, the AFC, obviously that, you know, with a lot of, uh, sort of, um, just, uh, uh, cultural quirks in a lot of countries in the AFC, they're not as, um, comfortable with, uh, like women's football um you know being played at a professional level yet so Australia really leads the AFC in that way along with sort of Japan South Korea and, and so on and so forth I mean obviously we, we know that but being a Filipino player um her stocks have really risen and the AFC, we're actually celebrating it. Look, we've got it. We've got an AFC player here who's here on the rise. One that's going to be playing in the World Cup. One that's playing in Australia, another AFC country. And uh they put a big they put this huge post up about it. And I was just thinking that's actually that is that is really nice to see that recognition. Um, so yeah, she's she's obviously been doing well for herself, has spent a bit of time in Scandinavia, so not exactly foreign to Leagues that go uh, pretty, pretty good in terms of sort of um, professionalizing a little bit more. And, um, you know, she's also um, going to obviously be a part of um, Alan Stagic's World Cup squad, which feels still kind of feels weird to say <laughs> uh, about about the Philippines. But um, yeah, I mean, her her stocks will be rising more and more. And, you know, if I could make a comparison, Cody, it kind of gives me Brian Caltech vibes. Um, the signing, I'm just, I'm purely talking about the signing here. I'm, I'm not <laughs> not talking about obviously her as a player, but she gives me Brian Kelly once because she comes from a place where she could really pave the way for an air of talent coming from her part of the world. Um, as young footballers, we know, you know, the country's there. They're just, just culturally, you know, I, I don't obviously want to say that it's solely on religious grounds, but obviously religion plays a big part in in women being secluded from certain parts of society and, and football's not a really big part of, of their culture. And, and um, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously I'm referring more to the Indonesians than I am sort of the Thailands and the, and the Vietnams when I say that, or obviously a country like the Philippines, where there's a strong American influence. Why well, football is so big in the Philippines probably, but yeah, to, to see a, a signing from this particular country and to see one that honestly, I don't want to say single handedly, cause that's not, not even true, but she played a really big part in the Wanderers sort of, Changing over their their, their fortunes and, and and really being a driving force in that game. So I think the one thing I would say is in terms of a signing, uh, you know they've they've got the impact that they needed there, and and Bravo to um to really whoever whoever scouted uh Serena to be able to be a part of the team because they they job, they jelled well with her and she had a big impact.
0: Well, Alan Stadice, if you bring him up, he's actually brought the Philippines out too, to Wonders Football Park a fair bit recently to play some friendlies. So whatever connection team may have there, that's probably what's helped um, this spirit for Serena Bolden get her in a high-quality league, especially leading up to the World Cup. She'll also get used to the conditions playing in Australia, even though Philippines are actually playing their games out in New Zealand, but that's probably another... Yeah, they
1: are. <laughs> um,
0: ...conversation to be had. It's a shame we won't actually be able to see her in our shores. But anyway, I digress. But looking at her kind of opening showing to the league, she um when you say... Not necessarily single-handedly, but playing a big part. She definitely did offer a focal point for the Wanderers going forward. The thing I noticed, the Wanderers did switch their formation a little bit, where they probably are playing to her strengths a little bit, where she does kind of not play as a natural winger, but more as a wide forward. So I know in their team listing at the start, the graphic that they put out uh, still had a 4-3-3 with um, Amy Harrison running through the middle. But it was more like a 4-1-2-1-2 with four centre-mids, actually. And surprisingly enough, had it, um, Amy Harrison was one of the deeper midfielders in that role, um, in that structure. So why they had her as a striker, I'm not too sure. But having her and Gallagher being able to push forward and often spreading out a little bit, Livia Price actually was often making that run through the middle between them if they did kind of part. But definitely very interesting. I'm intrigued to see how she goes the next few weeks, especially as, well, games obviously don't get too much harder than Melbourne City, but with... Yeah, Western United and Melbourne Victory going back to back. I know you
1: want to you want to move on and see way to some more transfers, but I just want to say, remember the stat you read out: seven games, um, zero point five four xg for the Wanderers. No, no xg. That was goals. That was, that was goals. goals. Oh, yeah. Well, even worse. Um, yep. Uh, Shepard and Gallagher two goals in two games um, for a side scoring at that slow of a rate. So just wanted oh, to do that. She's fantastic.
0: We criticised the Wanderers a lot on this last podcast. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember if it was... If it oh, I was feel like it was a bit of an... F- d- does,
1: it, does it make you feel like it was a bit of an FPF curse? Ah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, we do that enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If any Wanderers fans are listening to this, you should thank us, because every time we come out with a hot take or we come out with a strong opinion, it tends to go to shit the next time the team plays. So, I reckon we've kind of instigated that little win from them. But yeah, look, Wanderers, they had almost gone 12 months exactly without a win perfect time to get it Uh, we did criticize them a lot on the last podcast and particularly the club about how they were treating their women's program and maybe this signing could actually be like a signing of intent where it's like yeah look we're not mucking around the women's team we're going to bring in high quality players and we're going to turn the program around so if that's the case massive kudos to the Wanderers board um we are here to criticise when people aren't doing things correctly, in especially in women's or any kind of football space. So it's only right that we praise the same people when they make the right moves as well. So Serena Bolden comes in. Wanderers look good. Um, uh, Caceres actually coming back from injury did uh, provide a bit of spark in the second half as well. But enough on that transfer. Serena Bolden, we'll see how she goes as she progresses in her early women's career. But early signs do look quite exciting but we'll move on um because there is another filipino player who hasn't actually played for the national team yet that is probably worth talking about too and that is uh former matilda angie beard who has just signed for west united because they need reinforcements apparently
1: um okay so so this is this is weird right this is weird (laughs) Angie Angie Beard is someone who knows the league extremely well for start. so yeah they're getting an experienced campaigner there's no no hiding from that. But if you look at this team in particular, right they've okay so defensively they pretty, it's fair to say they maybe have some issues they've only had two clean sheets in nine games. The thing is every time they've conceded, they've only really conceded one goal and they've put about two or three past the opponent when that's happened. Um, I, I suppose Perth would be the anomaly to that, where they conceded too. But there was there's a string of games there where it was one three, one four, uh, and then you had these this one nil at the start of the season and this one nil against the Phoenix. I just just want to point out that that lack of clean sheets, you know, maybe that's what they're sort of looking at here. Because I mean, when you when you look at their their backline, uh, Hannah Cern, or I've I've also heard it pronounced as Hannah Cern, um, but w- whatever. And Sydney Cummings, right? So two experienced people, particularly at the heart of Midfield there. Now, I'm guessing Angie Beard can be uh, utilized as a fullback at which point, yeah, she's probably going to offer s- some even more experience out of that de- out of that uh, defense. Do you mean Alana soon? What did I say? Hannah? Yep. my mind was definitely somewhere else. My mind was definitely somewhere else. Uh, hold on. You you accidentally you accidentally used that name earlier, so we're clearly thinking of one person in in particular. But uh, (laughs) um, um, yeah. Look, the the point is the point is when you look at the eleven, Cody. Um, does this feel like the right piece of recruitment to you? Because I'm I'm sitting here thinking, I'm sitting here thinking that they're they're already pretty stacked to begin with. Um, and this is another step yet in the right direction. Um.
0: This team is, is is really going from strength to strength, and Andy Beard is a big part of that. Well, that's the thing, because maybe in the fullback areas, they're probably not as stacked as what maybe a lot of people think they are. The only thing that I say to that is when you've got players like Franny Imano and uh, Tyler Javlinich trying to battle it out for one but you've got to take, um, Papadopoulos on the other side, who's been doing pretty well, maybe it's to offer comp- a little bit extra competition for him. At the end of the day, if you are an elite side, you're going to take any quality player that comes towards you, because even if there's not necessarily a hole that you need to fill, there's still an opportunity to provide a bit of competition in that regard. So possibly that's maybe what they're looking at. It's like, yeah, we're just going to try and ramp up. We want to really put pressure on Sydney FC. We're going to take what we can get. Angie will offer a lot of experience to them. So I can kind of see where it will benefit them still. But if you're looking at uh, purely what they need, there's not really much that they need, I guess, because like I said before, when you've already got competition in the fullback roles, with someone like Vlainic who's been in and out of the squad, when last season she was a fair mainstay in that Melbourne City side, it's it's crazy to think about that they're just going to add on to that. But look, it's, it is a competitive competition. The top four is extremely tight in terms of overall quality of each team. So if this is going to give them an edge that can maybe push them above, or at least a little bit clearer away from Sydney FC and City, you can't blame them for making that move. And... Even if that's not the case, you can't blame someone for taking, for signing the quality of Angie Beard when they have the chance. Really, like, it's hard to it's 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 a hard move to criticize, even if there's not a clear cut reason as to why they've made it. I think that's the best way I can put it.
1: Yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. Um. You know. And again, what you're doing is you're bringing in someone who has essentially. Well, nine years, so close enough to a decade's worth of experience in the competition. Some experience in Europe as well, right? Uh, I just I, I, at that point, like what you're doing is you're building a champion side. I'm, I'm I, with their form, with their players. You, I'm just going to say it: they're building a champion side. Would you and have picked out did, the start of the
0: season? Hey, would you have picked them at the start of the season to be pushing for top four?
1: I was a bit naive, so maybe maybe not. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. That, I think that just comes down to like, like I've, I've, I've spent a few years disengaged with the dub. So that's probably what that, if anything would have come down to.
0: But um, even disengaged if, if disengage from the dub or not, a lot of these players have come from outside of it. A lot of these players were in the yeah. NPL Victoria. Well, I, well, and I, at I, least I, at I that FPF. We I, have no I, Victorian writers. So. I know,
1: I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Trust me. I've been, I've been watching the competition for several weeks now, Cody. I, I know. I know, but um, what, what, I'm, what I'm basically saying here is, if you if you want someone who's maybe not going to be the most important player there for you, Angie Beard is probably exactly the player that you'd sort of want anyway, because all she's all she's doing is bringing you know a lot of experience into a team that's going from strength to strength. How is that not a net positive? Like unless unless she goes and into look, we are talking about a young team as well. Really so toxic, maybe if they want to see
0: yet. out into the final series, they might need a bit of experience, a cool ahead in certain situations yeah. to uh, help them out. Finals
1: as well, it's it's going to play a big part. Yeah, especially if they if they if they're the sort of side that finishes second or third and still end up playing in a grand final anyway. Yeah, it's it's huge.
0: But wait, the point I was trying to make before, anyway this is a side that is primarily made, of, made up of players that have come from outside of the A-League women's. It's a lot of players that have just come through NPL Victoria that have built from that Calderon United side. So unless you were following that competition very specifically and closely, you probably wouldn't have expected this anyway. So there's a lot of people, right? unless you're from Victoria, that wouldn't have uh, picked Western United to do so well this season. I was kind of looking at it thinking, yeah, you know what, they'll make a push for top four. If I had to predict before the start of the season, I was going to say third. If I'm looking at how the season's going now, I'm saying they're going to win the thing. And when you've got sides like Sydney FC and City who really haven't regressed in terms of quality from last season to this season, and you've still got a side that is made up of a lot of uh, non-A-League women's players from before this season, that's a crazy thing to think about. It's definitely a very, very big underdog story. And you're not talking about a side that's, very financially backed either. It's not like Melbourne City when they came into their league women's and they had the um backing of the City Football Group and the money that they were investing into that and they were able to sign basically half the Matilda squad and you could kind of see that they were going to dominate the league straight away from the outset. This is a very, very different situation, but it makes for a much better story in my opinion. Yeah. I know I know what you mean. Look, if there's one if there's one part of this transfer that's probably that we haven't really touched on yet, it's the fact that she is a Filipino background. She stated her intent to play for the Philippines national team leading into the next year's World Cup. So coming back to the A-League women's stage, has clearly got his eye on it considering um, there's already some Filipino players coming to the league. Serena Bolden, just as we spoke about,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's probably the best place for her to be for stage to keep an eye on her to keep communication with her, at least back there, both yeah, back in Australia. If they're going to be playing their, a lot of their pre-World Cup friendlies in Australia too. No better place to be. Easy travel, easy way to get in camp. So that could there's some very very good signs there for Philippines leading into the World Cup. I can't even say next year anymore. It's in eight months or so, seven months. Very very exciting. Well, anyway, some transfer news that's dropped today. Uh, Sydney FC have um decided to make some moves. One name should be familiar to A-League Women's fans. One name not so much unless you were following the NPL uh, Women's in New South Wales. Tegan Collister who was at Wanderers last season and signed for Sydney FC, mm-hmm. uh, presume, as a replacement for Remy Simpson. Uh, before think played for the Jets as well. I think. I think she did play for the Jets as well, but I'm yeah. 90% sure she played at the Wanderers last year. But um, another one that's gone from uh, another ex-Wanderer that's playing for Sydney FC, as we spoke about last week, uh, Rachel Lowe, Remy uh, Simpson, who obviously has left and who Collister probably is replacing, actually. And uh, Rola Barawiyah who uh, was playing for Sydney Uni in the New South Wales NPL Women's, came mm-hmm. second in the Golden Boot Race, was a key figure uh, leading into their title charge. Um Roller we are probably not the um, name that comes to the forefront of A-League women's fans' minds, but definitely an intriguing signing, considering we're seeing, just as spoke about West United, where they've signed, uh, they've basically built a team of unknown players in the NPL Victoria that was doing well in that competition. Now you're taking a player out of the NPL New South Wales competition, which is arguably a bit stronger. Um, any Victorians, if you disagree with that, please don't send hate my way. Uh, someone who's played at a high level, done very well in the NPL New South Wales women's, now is playing for probably the most prestigious club in the dub, uh, replacing, helping to replace Remy Simpson. and she might still have to battle for that striker spot with Madison Haley. I'm not sure where, if her contract ends up or she's, Sydney FC have it for the season, but either way, some very, very interesting signings from Sydney FC's point. And Matt, considering you're based on the other side of Australia, how much mm. do you actually know about the NPL New South Wales women's competition?
1: It, well, this is what I was going to start off
0: with. It's hard enough
1: following the NPL um, in a senior men's sense, uh, let alone the sort of more diverse range of NPL of competitions. Um, and, you know, I don't really have a reason to be watching um nbls from other states um until now basically (laughs) so i can only i can only really admit to say that i've not seen either of them play and when i hear roley Betterwire's name i honestly start to think of roley bonifazia the ex Knicks and wondrous player from curacao but, but listen, but let me say that. Player, T- Tegan is someone that's been around the league, and I'm semi-familiar with her with her game going back a few years. Um, what I will say is it's a good it's a good thing it's a good thing if players can use the MPL. Because I mean that, that just means that the MPL is doing their job, basically. Like the MPL has a really strong base. You know, Australian women's football is in a healthy position if it can be picking these types of players. Now to compare uh you know with with a Matty Haley type player I mean we're obviously talking about a very different operator likewise you know the recently departed Remy Simpson, right so uh, you know they've got to step up to another stratosphere if they're going to be playing at that level um other than that I just don't know what what else I can say uh, other than to just sort of congratulate the internal system for, for working and doing its job but yeah look um you're joining a champion quality team. Um, for as long, um, you know, Zante Juric is around. You're with a manager that knows how to win big as well. You know, there's experience throughout the lineup. We know all this. It's it's one of what I still consider to be the big three. I really feel like that should be normalised in women's football. Or the Western United are out here proving us wrong. But like, you know, these these clubs that just take the females' program to the next level. Sydney Sydney's always been there. City always be there. You know, and and, and uh, Victory Western now, so yeah, I I don't know, I don't know, I don't really have a lot in in depth to say. So well, look, I'll you mentioned
0: Ante Urich and he does have a knack for taking very very raw talent and turning it into a very, very well almost world class player. I think Remy Simpson, you can say she if she's pushing for what's rumored to be a room to the uh, move to the WSL, she's clearly been touted as someone who. Can mix it with that upper echelon of players in women's football, so even if it is for a lesser side that is struggling, but um, I'm sure I'll be able to give my thoughts on that move when it actually happens. Anyway, uh, if he's had the if he's got the opportunity now to take a talent like Rolla are who showed, and the reason why I do say the NPL uh, women's competition in New South Wales is probably the best one because that's where all the elite women's players end up going. Obviously, there's rules in Victoria that stop a lot of them from playing there locally, but If she's second in the golden boot race in a competition where there's already a number of uh, top-level, top-flight elite women's players stepping down into, and she's showing that she's not just able to mix it with them, but perform almost at a level above them, she's probably with the best coach to really refine her into that professional footballer and to take her to that next stage in her career. Even if she's at a club where maybe she'll struggle for a bit of game time considering the strength that, and the depth that, women, that Sydney FC have in their women's side. I mean, you're talking players like Abby Lemon and Janana Dos Santos here, um, hardly getting a run this season as well. So there's a lot of competition for her, but there's definitely a coach there that whether she gets the opportunity or not, she still has an opportunity to develop herself. And there's a lot of talk about her we haven't really touched on, taking Collister, which is a move that kind of surprised me, because I don't know if I saw enough of her last year to, say I was overly impressed, and while she probably while she does prove that she can be an A-League women's player, Sydney FC is that extra level where you can't just be a stock standard player in the competition. You really need to have something about yourself where you can be part of a team that can go to that next level, and I don't know if Tegan Collister has that.
1: I'll let you be the expert on this, um, because you're the one that's actually from New South Wales for a start.
0: Yeah, look, I don't know if I'm um, if I'm picking between the two. Like if I if I had an extra spot up front, let's say Madison Haley's still injured, and I had to pick a starting striker, right. I'm probably leaning towards Butterwea despite a lack of experience. It's a tough yeah. one because you do need that bit of experience to play at this level as well. Like you can't you, just throw no,
1: someone. You, yeah, but that that being said, I mean, how many times do we see you know, to, to to use to use a, a direct comparison? How often do we see sort of fifteen sixteen year olds come in and and you know straight away make an impact.
0: So Daniela Gallagher spoke about her enough last week. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I think, I four, think no, that
1: players' lack of experience is nothing that I I ever really want to, you know, toss aside. I think there's there's always room there, there's always potential. Um and ahead of that ahead of that um, you know, sort of World Cup period, you never know how hungry players are going to be, regardless of where they're from and, and what their situation is. So yeah.
0: Last signing we'll touch on, um, Melbourne Victory have made a dip in the transfer market, obviously, after uh, signing Mazden earlier in the season as a injury replacement for Catherine Zimmerman. Um, but Melina Ayers looks like she's going to be out for a little while. And to help cover her, they've brought in Sarah Rowe from Collingwood in the AFL <laughs> Women's. <laughs> Okay, all right. Um, I know, I know so, you've got some opinions on this. You've only told me you've got some opinions on this. You haven't actually told me what they were uh, yet, I haven't so take it away. And,
1: and look, I, I, I think in the sake of saving time so that my comments at the start of the podcast still remain true, uh, I won't dip that deep into it. But basically it boils down to this, right? We're still living in an age where a lot of females, uh, a lot of females, female footballers, <laughs> um, they're having to balance balance an athletic life um that is quite different purely because the the financial incentive is not high enough for them to play full-time um basically what i'm getting at is the gender wage gap to an extent here right someone like sarah Rowe, so she comes from ireland um you know her background is in gaelic football which then extends to aussie rules football which then in part would extend to being uh you know a decent footballer at, at some level she's obviously while she had spent all that time playing Gaelic football in Ireland, represented the Irish uh, national uh, women's football team, which is pretty, pretty crazy. They're coming up against Canada and Australia in Australia at a world cup. It's nothing to scoff at. And it's a really, really big moment for her to to be at that elite level that she's never done before. But here's the thing. We're talking about a woman who's uh, to the best of my understanding in her late twenties. Right. And, the GAA, I, I don't know how much you know about these sports, Cody, but the GAA, uh, one of the A's in GAA, stands for amateur. It is it is not a professional sporting body, and it 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 has that aim, uh, you know, for tradition's sake, but but also because the GAA has never seen the commercial value in a sport of its size and its stature professionalizing. Um, so that's just not a female problem. That is a, a an island problem, an all island. Uh, problem and so that is what incentivizes a lot of people from Gaelic football to branch out into Aussie rules but it's also much more enticing for females in particular to play soccer as well so they play soccer Um, and so what Sarah Rose ended up doing is putting her hand at both and being able to get herself to a level where she can professionalize in all three sports to some degree obviously with the GAA there's levels there but obviously you can you're still getting you're still getting paid for it um but she's just not at a very high level so yeah but uh, you know she's she's able to do that and that's great but her her sporting background to me because of the lack of sort of uh professionalism about it and just sort of her go-getter attitude i'm looking at ahead of the world cup and i'm thinking full power to her. like i'm not this is not disrespectful but it does strike me as something that would happen in the w league
0: 13 years ago
1: you know what i mean Um, just just that that that's something uh, that's
0: going to happen nowadays.
1: Yeah, that that that's what really confused me about this because I'm just looking at it and I'm thinking this is sick, but it speaks to the way that a lot of countries still view women's sport. You know what I mean? Because because this is this is an island problem. It really is. Um, and it also is maybe to speak to the lack of professionalism in um the AFLW as well. I mean, we're going to talk about Canberra United in a second. Uh, Canberra United play Ellie Brush. Uh, at uh at center back i think she still plays for the gws giants in the nflw so it's a it's a big it's a big issue with them and them as a sporting body trying to professionalize the women's game when you know there's there's problems with you know the value that they actually see in it whereas soccer is a much more appealing sport to women so it's much easier for them to branch out into that and sarah rowe she's not doing this because she wants to get paid as a professional at the age of you know 27 28 year old she is she's doing it with an eye for the world cup so let's just Put that caveat there as well. Good on Victory for, for giving someone like that a chance as well, because it's you know it's what we're talking about with Serena, Serena Bolden and all these players as well. You want you want to take that chance? Uh, good, good on them. See, so there's, um,
0: there's definitely two ways you can look at this move. If you're yep, looking at it from ahead. a player's perspective, she wants to go to the World Cup, as you said. Obviously, she's going to need to be playing football to be able to do that. For, for good honor for finding a club that was willing to take her take her on, give her that chance. But if I'm looking at this from Melbourne Victory's perspective, I'm not congratulating them on giving someone an opportunity because. They're meant to be part of that big three. They're meant to be one of the top teams in the A-League women's. And them going into the AFL women's to sign, for, to sign players for their side, I think in a way that's a bit disrespectful to who they have there already. Like you're It's talking... also
1: disrespectful to the NPL, let's be honest.
0: Exactly. And we, we're we talking about Cal United have taken pretty much their whole side from the, the NPL, put it into the Western United, United women's program, and they're, they're reaping the rewards for it. You're signing a player that's playing a whole different sport. I understand she played youth football in Ireland, so she does kind of have that background, but it, it, it does dumbfound me because you've got players that are already sitting on the bench, like Maya Markovsky, like Ava Breeders, who are probably just waiting for the opportunity to have an impact and show what they can actually do, maybe possibly as a starter in the side, or at least with decent minutes off the bench. And if you're turning around and going, hey, we're going to bring an attacker from a completely different sport and you're going to have to compete with them for a spot. I think that's, in a way, that's a bit disrespectful to who you have there already. So I could understand if maybe it was with all due respect, maybe a lower side like a, and, well, maybe like a Jets and, um, no offense to you, Matt, but about a Perth glory. If they were to make this signing, you're probably looking at it going, okay, yeah, you can understand that. They're trying to push themselves up. This is a very athletic player. She's got the physical attributes for it. It's just a matter of bringing back those technical attributes she would have learned in her youth. But for a club like Melbourne Victory to do it, I think they're above a signing like that. Like you said, Canberra United um had Ellie Brush, yep. playing centre back, yeah, and she's playing for the Geelong Giants as well. You can understand the club uh, in their I position doing that. Let,
1: let me let me just let me just confirm that because she might have actually left and gone to football full time. <laughs> oh, Sorry, look, so I'll either just, way, I'll just...
0: it, it still speaks to the point though. Canberra United yeah. are in a position where they are more likely to make a signing like that. Mm. I still think Melbourne Victory are above doing that. And that's yeah, the main she, point that I'm trying to go go for.
1: She left footy. She left footy in 2020, so I was actually okay. Quite, so it was quite, a few years off.
0: now. Yeah. Sorry. Hold on. That's
1: just because I hold on. That's just because I don't follow the footy. That's not that, that is not that's not me poorly researching. Yeah. Look, honestly,
0: <laughs> I don't blame you for not following the footy. Um, I don't. I'm gonna say something maybe a little bit controversial. I don't care for the AFL women's. Um, it's not the women's part that I have a problem with. It's the AFL part.
1: Yeah, well, well, fair enough. I I think that, but even even footy people when look. We're not going into this conversation, but consider Sarah Rowe. This is the only time to have this conversation. I think a big part of it is the AFL culture and the AFL fans. They they just they don't care enough, and the fact that they played in the summer, I I just think that that's wrong. They they obviously it, it would be more beneficial to play in the winter, and it would be it would actually be more so much more beneficial for people like Sarah Rowe as well if they could say footy season is you know june july august you know that that's a that's a much easier thing to compact because then instead of going to the npl you could maybe balance those two even then i still think it's a very outdated thing but i'm saying for for the for the for the opportunity to still be there for people that want to balance both sports you know, I mean, yeah whatever it is what it is but um yeah i mean bit, that big three stuff that we mentioned um you know the npl talent who all they care about is playing soccer, it's it's disrespectful. And I think we can just leave it at that.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, We'll move on. Uh, There's two teams that I really want to talk about. So that's yeah. probably enough for the transfers, unless oh, something no, happens no, um, more, more as we enough, speak.
1: Especially when we said this show was going to go for like 25, 30 minutes. So yeah. move on.
0: Um, two teams I really want to di- deep dive into today. Perth Glory mm. and Canberra United, probably in similar positions. And two teams you brought up last week when... We spoke about maybe the competition splitting in two with the top six and the bottom five, just leading out of the season. You mentioned yeah. that it was incredibly disrespectful to Perth and Canberra, and I can understand what you meant by that because they're two clubs that do hold a lot of focus on their women's program. Canberra, in particular, because that's kind of all they have. Um, Gee, right. <laughs> why? Hopefully, Danny Townsend um lets them into the um A League Men's sooner rather than later. Would make sense. But Canberra's win on Adelaide does uh, against Adelaide. Sorry does keep them within touching distance of the final series. They're still five points off. If you look at their next two games, so they play the Jets at home and they play the Wellington away. They are two winnable games. If they get six points out of that, I'm not saying the other teams aren't going to get any and they're going to push themselves into the top four. But you're still doing yourself a lot of favours to try and push yourself by season's end. And yep. that is an advantage of the extended season. At least they've got that little bit extra time to pick up those points. We're not talking about Oh, we're at round eight um nine and we've only got five games left. Uh, they've still got a fair a few.
1: Yeah. Ten to what is it, ten games left. Or have they have they played all eight of their games? They, they have, haven't what? they? Or oh, they um, played Canberra. seven. Yeah. They have played. I'm gonna have to bring up the table. No, that's okay. While you do that, I will just talk about the form guide. Cause I think it's actually they've seven. again, they've played seven, so yeah. eleven games left. I mean, yeah, there's there's lots of room here. Two games in particular, the Jets and Phoenix, where uh, you make a statement win, and that's that's everything that sets up your season, Whereas I think once we touch on Perth Alex and Parker sort of has the opposite problem. But um let's just run through this, Cody. um we know there's some really great individuals like uh, Grace Ma um, you know in the in the team. Uh, obviously Michelle Michelle Heyman comes to mind as well. Um, Jale as well. You know, there, there is talent there, right? But let's just run through this. So they started the season with two draws and then they beat the Phoenix 3-0, which would, would have been expected. Things might have arguably fallen apart uh, sort of at the end of December, just before Christmas. So they've had this 3-2 win, uh, 3-2 win, 3-2 loss at Macedonia Park. That well, you were if you watching ask that one, were you? From... Yeah, I, I was there. Yeah. yeah. You ask anyone from WA, they'll say that was when Perth really kicked into gear and and where a very slow start for them, you know, got into place. Then they've had this 4-0 loss to City in Queen Baird and then a 1-0 loss to the victory, you know, I believe it was in Epping. So those three games in particular have basically been the reason why, oh, Canberra's Canberra's no good. But honestly, if you look at that as just one really bad isolated period, if they can pull the results forward... From there on in, um, play against you know the likes of Western Sydney again uh, and Victory. Uh, they've got to play Western twice. I'm just looking at this now. They've got to play Western twice in this in this run to finish the season. So there you go. There's your opportunity. Take points from those games. Have these big wins against uh, you know the Jets, the Phoenix, even the Wanderers when you when you play them later. Uh, they've already played Perth twice, so the, the, obviously these two teams won't play against each other again. Um, but yeah, I mean. I think people are just really harsh on this on this club and this team as a whole. Maybe because they rely on individuals a lot. I think that's probably. It's not to say they
0: rely on individuals. They've got a very very strong front front line. Now you've already mentioned Grace Maher, You've mentioned yeah. Michelle Heyman, Grace Charlie. You have got Nikki Flannery in there as well. Vesna Malevovich. I learned how to pronounce that name. Um, I know I had what my do? troubles with that last week. But there's there's definitely talent there. Yeah, and it's definitely improved from what they were doing last season. Last season they were. Not very, very entertaining to watch. But they do look like a good side this season. They had that period there. And even if you look at their run of losses, the Melbourne victory game took a Casey Dumont masterclass to hold them oh, out. Yeah. It's really only the um Melbourne City game where they got thrashed. And let's be honest, there's been a lot of teams this season that have been, that have followed that same fate against Melbourne City. So oh, yeah, it's hard to really point at that and go, on, oh yeah, they're really bad for this. Because a lot of other teams have gone down that path. Yeah. So if you look at that, like you said, an isolated incident, they're not doing too bad. It does speak... We do need well, a whole ch- team... Choking
1: still... a 2-0 lead, I would put choking a 2-0 lead in the same sort of bracket as losing
0: 4-0. Yeah, of course, but that's it the one that's, wasn't that's a way probably game. the biggest killer of their season so far. Yeah,
1: oh yeah, yeah, it was an away game, and you have to understand how hungry that Perth team were, and and, and actually still are. Um, but we'll, we'll touch on them. Just with Canberra, look, I, I think their biggest weakness at the moment is the mentality and and probably in, they, they might get in their own heads a bit about where their ceiling really is um so they're seventh right now seven games a two two and three record like i just i'm still looking at this and i'm still thinking to myself like they're just not they're just not that bad um there'll be room to move up so Full power to them. I, I'm hoping, Cody, that they end up in a, a bit bit more of an Adelaide-type scenario where they're just banging on the door constantly of that top four being uh, who we consider to be the big three and Western United as well. So, you know, but, but again, it's it's that conversation we had in the first episode about a top six and this and that because there's, there's talent there. There's a lot of talent there.
0: So, yeah. Look, if they can at least get a decent run of games, a decent run of points at home. They play mm. Jets at home next, and they have got Western United, Sydney FC, Wanderers, Adelaide, Victory. That's their that's their home games running into the end of the season. Yeah, if they can take points off the likes of Sydney FC, Western United, and Melbourne Victory at home, mm. suddenly they're looking McHale-Park, okay because that's McHale-Park points. McHale-Park that other teams the going
1: to get fortress it used to be. I will say that. In years but if they prior, can make it
0: that fortress, that's what I'm, that's what I mean.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's one hundred percent.
0: A league like this, especially when it's so tight and there's very limited spots for finals for finals positions you need to make every game at home count. So getting that home run of form like that, that's what I mean when that Melbourne City loss probably will kill them a little bit because it was at home. That's that's probably the kicker in it. A lot of Melbourne City's big wins have come on their own ground. This is the one they got away. But if you put that behind you, you go forward. If you can take points off of West United, no one else has done that this season. And West United, probably NGB is going to shore it up now. But you said it yourself, they've been struggling to keep clean sheets. They have, Canberra United have a stellar attacking side. If they can go and push forward and put some pressure on them, it's just a matter of holding out West United at the other end, which... Is this going to be our last podcast before that game? Uh Before which game, sorry?
1: Yeah, well, Canberra Western.
0: Canberra Western, no. No, we'll be doing one before that. So the okay. ones the games that we'll play before our next podcast will be Jets and Wellington. That's why I specifically mentioned those two before. But like okay. I said, that's two six points right there leading into that West United game. You get a bit decent run of form there. You go in high on confidence. You never know. That could almost be seven points from nine, and suddenly you're very, very much in the finest conversation again. Yep. But anyway, we'll move on to Perth and Matt as our WA contributor. This is. Well uh, can up I your just rally. say,
1: every single FPF episode is is has a me glory rant in it now, and I'm just I'm, I'm just starting. to almost feel a little bit overwhelmed. Like I I, I should shut the fuck up sometimes.
0: Um... <laughs> Mate, we ask for it. That's why this is what the people want to hear. Yeah.
1: Okay. Give the people one thing, what they um, want, Matt. Hardy. Let me flip the question. What performances stand out to you of the eight games played
0: of Perth? Sorry.
1: <clears throat> no, of fucking Wellington, of course. But <laughs> <Perth.
0: laughs> I just want to double check. We we're talking about Canberra two seconds ago. I don't know if you wanted to flip it back to there, but oh, no, no, no. If you're talking about Perth performances, you'd have to say that um, comeback win against Canberra. That's probably yeah. been the biggest part of their season. It was their uh-huh. only win so far. Um exactly. you could almost say the point exactly. they picked up. That, that's you can, You, the, you, can you could almost say the point there, they picked up on whole, Friday can be brought into that as well. Uh, going away hey. to Melbourne, John Jansevsky, um
1: no, the one a point
0: late, especially with Bateman out injured with in this that game. Yep. So that, they, that's I, a vital point for him too.
1: I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. But listen, the, here's your problem. That Canberra game, they were losing that game 2-0. And that is their only win. They're behind the fucking Newcastle Jets. Now, believe me when I say this, because it, it, this team can be top four quality on their day. We saw it last season. We know the talent that they have. We know that they have some really lethal attackers as well. Now, there might be foreign signings, and foreign signings might be a bit iffy. But Sierra Henson, you know, Gabby Coleman, and you know, Riley was obviously perfect. She was winning the Golden Boot. Don't know if she still technically is or not. But like, you just you look at it and you, and you think there's enough talent there for this team to be really good, and they just can't put it together. And and Alex is starting to get Alex is starting to get really, I guess, just a little bit dissociated with his belief. Um, and uh, you know, Rubens Adkovic says that his belief never wavers. Well, I don't know where Alex Aparkas's belief is at right now. Uh, the one thing, that I will say about him is, you know, he comes from he comes from the New, the New South Wales MPL. He comes from a really successful program at Sydney Uni, and he's really bedded in at, at Glory. Like everyone, really, really likes him. And he really, really cares about the club. So I just don't, but, but, you know, I'm looking at this and all I see is positives. And I realise that that might actually sort of be the undoing a little bit. Like, I'm just, I'm looking at the culture of the club. I'm looking at the individuals in the team. I'm looking at the manager. I'm looking at the structure around how they, how they're set up and, you know, even sort of playing out of Macedonia Park and all these things off the field that that's not necessarily a big deal. And, you know, I just don't actually know where the underlying problem is. So why are we behind a club like the Jets, who who, who struggle historically
0: with the female program? I, Not what, just what that. Actually... You're talking about a club that has also conceded 22 goals this season. Yeah. Well, they've scored 14, so they're, they're doing something right going forward. But that's what I mean. Perth, they've got the, they've got the side. They've got the coach. Alex Parker showed last season. He's uh-huh. certainly a league women's quality. I remember of seeing course. him. in. He led a, a very, very good senior side when he was in the MPL and New South Wales uh-huh. women's. Um, I actually, when I went for my C license, is going to be a little, uh, personal tangent. Um, yeah. the very first day that I was there, Alex Apakis was actually running the, um, show. Well, not running the show. He was running the, um, lesson, I guess you could call it. I yeah. don't really know. Oh, there's probably a, re- that's probably half the reason why I failed. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, coaching is in my forefront. That's why I come on a podcast and talk shit. But anyway, the thing is, I've heard this guy speak personally. He knows what he's doing, very, very confident in what he does, very intelligent in how he operates. He showed it last season that he can take us a very new side that that he put together, considering the season before Mm -hmm. uh, from Perth, I'm sure you'll remember, was not great at all. Um, There's quality there. There's the right facilities, the right coach, the right players, the right mentality from the club itself. Mm -hmm. So it is hard to see... What exactly It's hard to pinpoint an exact issue with what's going on? It's not like the one it is where.
1: Well, let me let me let me address this because with Canberra, it's a very similar, very similar diagnosis. Um, in terms of what the, the underlying issue is now, they started the season with a two to draw against each other with a pretty frustrating, cagey game, no one really got what they wanted out of it. Then they go to Macedonia Park. Now, the men had to wait you know, seven or eight weeks, the women didn't because obviously like it was being set up, but it's it's already a, a suitable ground for um, an ALW game. They go and they lose to Adelaide. So it's not the best start in the world, but Adelaide's a pretty pretty plucky team. So, you know, there's always room to recover. But that's two, two results that are disappointing. You've not gotten the start you wanted. You've gotten a very slow start. You go away to Newcastle. Let me preface this again. It's Newcastle. We are a superior women's program to them. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just talking about where Glory's, Glory's mentality should be right now because they've, they've finished fifth on goal difference last season. They go away. They can see two goals, you, you You need to actually be the superior team and prove your dominance in a game like that. They didn't do it. Macedonia Park, Melbourne victory. They completely blasted out of the water. Three 0 win. We didn't even look like it. There was there was just nothing offered. I remember. I remember that game quite clearly. You were that game. Uh, I wasn't at that particular game, but I was able to watch it in full, and I just remember sitting there thinking, like, what, what have they even attempted to do in the final third? I do not even understand. Obviously, they're playing a much better team, so they've gone for a bit of a counter attacking approach, and it just it was so poorly executed. I'm just sitting here thinking, I, I was talking to this team, I was a top four team, and they've just they've completely fallen off. And then the, then this Canberra game happens, and they start with, you know, they're 2-0 down. Now, credit what they did to get back in the game. They were brilliant. But you can't ignore the fact that had they, had they actually been in that losing position and gone on to lose that game, they probably would be with the caliber of the Wanderers and the Phoenix right now, which is just embarrassing. So they pull off this really good result, and they have to follow it up going away to Amy Park. Melbourne City, you need to find a way to grind and take something from this game. They didn't do it. They played well enough to take the point, but they didn't pull it off. They didn't execute it. They conceded it a penalty. And then, you know, the same symptom happens again. Western United, 2-1 lead. Hannah Lowry puts it in the back of the net. Do what you need to do. Finish the game off. Take the points. They failed to do it yet again. So there, there is there is clearly some kind of mentality issue in terms of playing at, you know, X level and getting Y results. You know what I mean?
0: Um, Do you think maybe the victory result can be its any point in that regard, considering they yes, were able to get that point from behind next, away at Amy Park, of all places? Exactly,
1: exactly. But I think that's where we should be looking at the City game, in all honesty, in that same way. And the fact that the fact that, that game didn't finish 0-0 or 1-1 speaks a lot to that, that kind of issue. But the victory game, yes, I mean, and it was it was particularly important that they stood up in lieu of 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 Riley's ACL. Um, but I, yeah, I just I if I'm looking at the two teams, uh, Cody, I'm looking at Canberra and thinking, yeah, you can be knocking on the door of the top four. I'm pretty well settled to the point that Perth are probably going to finish fifth, sixth, seventh, uh, and just yep. not play finals at all because uh, there's, there's, there's just there's something that hasn't added up. But that being said, looking at the dressing room, looking at the club, looking at all those factors, there isn't actually anything wrong. And they have that springboard as well because the next game is on the fifteenth. Uh, they're at home to the Phoenix, so if that, that's got to that be game, a must
0: three points, it's a must win.
1: Well, we're not talking about must three points. We're talking about must three nil, four nil. Uh, with like again, with all due respect to the Wellington Phoenix female program, we are a superior. We're a superior team. So let's let's actually prove that dominance points.
0: It'll be interesting to see how Wellington hold up because they showed against West United they can be when they want to be. They can be a plucky team to break down. And if you're going to add Alfeld Taylor, uh, when they come back, I'm not sure when they'll be ready yet. But they're probably not from the Perth game. But you never know. I don't. I don't know if it's a set in stone three nil, four nil win. But if Perth do want to make a late change, late change, late charge for finals. Yeah, this is a must three points because there's three points every other club's going to get except Absolutely. for the Wanderers. Absolutely. And look, there will there will be a team that. Well, into Phoenix, do get over. I don't know if it'll happen before the return of their key players. Mm -hmm. But while they're probably a little bit fragile, Perth need to take the opportunity as it presents itself. Because Mm -hmm. if they don't, their next game is Sydney FC. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm not mistaken, they're going away to Sydney FC, and that will not be an easy trip for them in any circumstances. Right. But anyway, that is all we have time for today. I hope you guys enjoy a deep dive into some of the teams in the A-League Women's as well as some commentary around the transfers that are um, happening in the competition too. Matt, do you have any parting words? Um, yeah, the time limit we ended up going
1: a bit over, so it got in my face.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't even have a clue how long we we're going for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I have to apologise to uh, the Johnny Marchetti now because I, yeah, I've, I've basically just shut the bed with that one. Um, was expecting a short show, but it's the dub. We love the dub. We can't stop talking about the dub. And as always, Cody. Um, an advert for any female writers that might want to help us uh, take our dub level uh, dub knowledge to the next level. So.
0: Of course, um, we are always open, especially if you want—not um, even just writers—if you're happy to um, help the front page dub show. You want to come on as an extra host? We'd love an extra person to talk with. But anyway, that um, is out there in the open for anyone that is willing to take it up. My name is Cody Ojeda. I've been joined my Matt Olsen. This is Front Page Dub. Hope you enjoyed it and. As uh, Christian Markety, our boss, would say, we will see you in the next one.